welcome to the new family show. I am tuned in, tapped in, turned on to who I really am. I am your hostess, the fabulous Doris Birch, founder of The Fab Factor. I am here to help women awaken their Fab Factor. The woman who has always known she is different, called for more, not going to live the normal life, and is going to do what it takes until it takes to create that, all while elevating her life and biz to fully step into the who she is being called to, fully tapping into the unapologetic femininity. Yes, she has the audacity to prioritize the feminine. I am an entrepreneur, a mentor, an author. I love the bling bling, thinking more fabulously bigger and doing it differently, where we disrupt the status quo for women. We are rewriting the rules and we are doing it being fabulous, of course. The biggest question is, who are you actually? At your core, who are you and what did you come here to do? Many women are hiding. They are not willing to make the choice to let their old selves die. They are quitting on themselves, but to create the vibrational space to step into their new Fabu next level frequency in order to begin showing up in every area of their lives, in order to find the woman you wish to become, a choice needs to be made. Ready to say yes to your soul and become the next level new Fabu now? It's going to take some inner determination and strength. But let me tell you, and allow me to be crystal clear here, it takes a lot of courage to release the old and step into your next level fabulousness of truth. When you can get real about who you are and say unapologetically, here's who I am. I think this way. I feel this way. I vibrate this way. I live on this sort of frequency and I show up this way. It is critical to do so if you are truly committed to having it all a life fully by design and on your terms in order to shift the old, become the real you, and finally break the pattern once and for all. Why? Well, simply, there are still too few women who are giving themselves unapologetic permission to have a seat at the I want it all table. And there are fewer women who truly own and command their space. You make choices out of guilt or shame or blame. You compromise, you settle, you sacrifice. You continue to sabotage or destroy. This affects everything. Is it any wonder that you don't really let yourself dream that dream anymore? Never mind, act on it. How do I know all of this? Well, it's because I've lived it. And it's the reason I think this must change. And it must change now. So what new fab you is all about is letting go of the old, the distorted, the shadow you, who you thought you had to be, to the new fab you who is fully unleashed and what she says how she shows up, how she does business, how she does life. She knows what works for her. She backs herself unapologetically. She does it. Why? It is who she is and is what she was born for because she did not come here for normal. So let me ask you if you've had enough of just playing and you're actually ready to play life the way you know it's meant to be. Make the decision to say goodbye to the old. It is time to stop trying to create a new you around the same old people. Stop trying to create a new you around the same old thinking. Stop trying to create a new you around the same old habits. And stop trying to create a new you around the same old departure place. You just got to say yes. Well, you don't got to. But you do if you want to change. To be who you really are meant to be. Then say yes. Yes to you. Yes to your soul. Yes to being accountable. Yes to the up level. And of course, yes to radical responsibility. And as I said earlier, it takes immense courage to be the real you. So enough. Enough with hiding your light. Enough with being less than. Enough with trying to fit in. Do it right. Enough with saying you're different but not showing it. It is time to give yourself unapologetic permission to be new fab you. The age of the invisible woman is over. And today, my fabulous guest is Meg, who is the franchise guru. So let's bring her on. Good morning. Hello. I'm so excited to be on. I'm so excited to have you. You look gorgeous. Well, let me just tell you, I have looked forward to this event um, as you may be able to see behind me is my fabulous blingy hat with rhinestones. My, I love it. I want you to know I I have been dressing from head to toe, fabulous 
franchise fashionista, head to toe since August. Forget COVID, forget the coma. Gotta be fabulous. Gotta be fabulous. You are right. And I and you bring something very important to that conversation. You made a decision since August to start dressing up. And I know when you, people don't realize just making that decision and then actually doing it changes how you show up every day. Indeed. Even during a pandemic. Even during a pandemic. And so my husband and I are so lucky to have been able to escape our apartment in Illinois. And we are spending all of our time up here in Wisconsin. We've got a farm property. So it's a farm and it's there's dirt and I have a black Labrador and I'm dressed from head to toe every day. <laughs> I figure if Queen Elizabeth can walk her corgis in Wellington boots and a beautiful suit, then so can I. Only to learn from this woman who is 90, what is she, 94 years old, still showing up. Still showing up. Still showing up because she's the queen. And that's what I believe we all embody. That's that embodiment of who it is you want to be and showing up. And it doesn't matter where you live. And I love the fact that, hey, do you guys have snow right now? Is it snow in your part of Wisconsin? We had, I looked out the window here the other day and was appalled to see itty bitty little flakes, but nothing stuck. Oh, well, that is good. I was like, I saw somebody posted that um, wherever they are in Wisconsin, the snow. And I'm like, seriously, no, no. But Whatever right. happened to fall, we, old man winter is right around the corner. Well, apparently he's here, <laughs> but well. it's not going to stop us, right? We're going to continue to shake off this COVID thing and show up for work and be fabulous and let go of, got to let go of that COVID um, coma. It, it was really destructive, I think, for a lot of people. And going into the winter and who knows what kind of shutdown we're going to have there. I'm wearing my pearls. I'm wearing my diamonds. <laughs> well, you know, you said something really important because I know even for myself, um, because the normal things that I would normally do um, to pour into myself for me to be replenished and restored, I was hitting a lot of upper limits during this phase of this pandemic. And I was like, what is going on? I'm like a little, like not as focused as I would normally be or at least making myself feel like I'm not as focused as I would normally be, yet I'm focused and yet it feels like I'm not. And I realized is that because of the shutdown of a lot of things or just things not doing things like I normally would be doing, that I was not replenishing myself in the way that I normally would. And that was really insightful to realize how vital it is as women who are making big impact and contribution in the world to do the things that replenish us. So what besides live, being in your farm in Wisconsin, what else have you done to like keep yourself afloat and for you to, to pour into your clients? You know, the I think for you, as well as for me, people look to us for positivity and inspiration and to be on all the time is not easy, to your point. So when March turned into April, I signed up for virtual Pilates classes and I blocked off an hour every morning. And that's what, I mean, it was good for me, but it was also bad because I started my day <laughs> in Pilates clothes and I wasn't changing out. So the thing that, that I did was I did take care of myself. I was paddleboarding, kayaking, doing doing Pilates indoors, but then I had my outdoor activities. And I did give myself permission to mourn the loss of normalcy and in-person meetings. Um, but I'm an extrovert. And I think that that lack of touch was really getting to me. So once I switched over and embraced the Zoom technology, that actually ended up nurturing me and energizing me back to who I normally am. So well, that's I love how I, that, you know, because I think that is powerful um, because, you know, the, the thing for me is much did not really change far as my work because I've been doing work online and in Zoom world for a while. It just took it to another level for yeah. me um, where I was like, 
in so many Zoom meetings or, or conferences and stuff. And I was like, it's great on one end because I, I am an extrovert as well. Um, so I love that energy thing. But I really did give myself permission um, during this time frame to to technically binge out on frivolous things like oh, a yeah. Netflix series or something. So one of the um, one of the things that I allowed myself to do, even though I'm not going in person to meetings, was to go back through my closet, pull out my beautiful clothes that make me the franchise fashionista. And then I started to buy more. <laughs> I started to buy more clothes. And I, I'm telling you, this commitment to getting dressed up and doing hair, makeup, everything every day, it, it reinforces the feminine factor for me. And I'll tell you, Doris, I love listening to your episodes. You did one recently on fashion and what that means to you. Yeah. And that so resonated with me because as a professional, it, it is through my professional uh, reputation and interactions that I, I was given those two monikers, the franchise guru and the franchise fashionista. And it it is grounding for me to be feminine and dressed up and know that for as exhausting as it can be to, to do Zoom after Zoom, I know that that the persona that people are seeing matches what they go back and find on LinkedIn or any of my other social media sites. And that's really important. I'm glad you said that because that is very true. It's like, even though we are now on Zoom and in virtual land, our persona still must maintain if that's what our business is built around and people need to see, we should not be any different versus, you know, in person, virtual or just paper or just, you know, viewing you on LinkedIn. But I think you said something really crucial. The, the fact that you still allowed yourself to go through and buy some fabulous more things for you to be more in your essence of who you are and that feminine aspect, it still let you still be the powerful leader that you are, you know, dealing with your clients and um, in the franchise space, um, that could have been really probably challenging for some of your clients because this era that we're living in shook everybody up. And mostly if people have franchises, those are mostly brick and mortar type businesses, right? Well, I think that's the, that's maybe 40% of it. It seems like that's what, what franchises are. People think about food or, or automotive or going to a place, but a lot more of them now are actually um, work from home um, where you can provide a product, not a product really, but a service um, and have a home office. And because we've all pivoted into work from home, the franchise space is really booming with essential services that homeowners or business owners need. And so it's, um, if anything, over the last six months, I've seen business booming. And that was another reason why it just needed to get over the sloppiness or the relaxation. It was lovely for a while. Um, but yeah, the, bus the business arena is really quite um, robust right now. Okay, so that's insightful because I guess even as you're saying that, there are a lot of pre, well, I think I must have had a lot of preconceived notions where you don't kind of think of some other businesses being where you can be home-based um, in the franchise space. I think we just get used to the, the, the storefronts or, you know, what we see when we're out on the streets. That is quite insightful and to understand that there's actually a boom in there. So what, it, what you just said was that, it doesn't really matter what industry that you're in, you can still, and a lot of people have, just thrive really well during this transition. Yes. Oh, so I'm on the prairie and there are two eagles flying right by. It's Ooh. nature right outside my window. One of the things that I wanted to circle back to in franchising, about 2012 is when my son graduated from college and he said, mom, we should get a good bottle of tequila and sit outside and just catch up on life. So we did. We got a good bottle of sipping tequila. And he said, you know, I didn't know all those years you were a business owner. I thought you were just a single mom who stayed at home because you were there when I got on the bus and you were there when I got off the bus. 
I was a franchise owner with five locations with great clips. I did not cut hair. I managed the business so I could work on the business, not in the business and raise my son. Um, I was fortunate I had one. I didn't have more than that. But for anyone who's thinking about, can you have it all? The answer is yes. But you, you have to be able to delegate and parse out your responsibilities so that the important people get the most important time when you're together. Oh, my gosh. What you just said, okay, what I want people to really get from this is that you had, were a business owner. Your child did not know you were a business owner because they just see you as mom doing the mom thing. Um and you, the most brilliant thing of that was that you were like, I own great clips. And yet I did not do, I wasn't a practitioner of that. I wasn't that, but I owned it. How powerful is that really for people to understand that you can own something, be the manager of it and create it, and then not do be the do the work, do the manual work of it, but you do have to manage it. And Managing, I think um, you told me the story when we first met, and I would love for you to maybe go back through the story and just say it, it didn't just magically happen. You did have to kind of grow into this woman that you are today because you learned from your own journey how to make it successful. Um, so kind of let's give a little tidbit of when you first stepped into the franchise space and to, to now. So stepping into the franchise space, I was dragged kicking and screaming by my husband, who's now my ex-husband. He went to a franchise expo in Chicago and came home and said, well, people have to eat, hair grows. If you have a job, you need your car to work. So let's, and he kind of did this, let's do great clips. And I said, you've got to be crazy. We have full-time jobs. We have our son. We don't know anything about cutting hair. And he said, well, you don't need to know how to cut hair if you're if you are the owner of the business and employ industry insiders, cosmetologists, people who have the experience, then you're managing the manager. And in a franchise, you're following following an operating manual. You're following a system that's already been put in place. So I followed the system essentially, and really came to respect how hard it is to be a cosmetologist. It is physical labor. You're on your feet. They are on their feet um, for hours at a time. And it helped me to see the world through the eyes of the consumer, as well as how important it is to be an excellent employer. And I, I worked with my manager at the time um, and my employees they taught me so much about humility in um, in management style and respect for the individual, and that they they you can't treat everyone equally. They're all individuals, and it really helped me to uh, then step out of the ownership role. Someone made me an offer I couldn't refuse. After eleven years, it was a turnkey sale, but it helped me to jump into this role of consultant to help other people evaluate business ownership according to their own level of skill and interest, and their business backgrounds. And it's really empowering to be able to tap into skills that maybe your job doesn't allow you to use, skills and interests. Right. But as the owner of the business, then you create the culture, you create the relationships with your employees and with your clients and your vendors. And in franchising, it's it's a lovely space, I think, because you're, you don't have to monitor the landscape of everything. You don't have to wear all the hats all the time. You're really executing a refined business model. And that was so rewarding for me. And that's why I really believe in it now is that people, you can have it all, but you really have to know what your management limits and style are so that you can maximize, maximize the business. So one thing that the, the body of work that I really focus on, and I would think this plays a part in your role now as um, in consulting, is that I 
only I don't really focus on the external of the strategy so much because most of my class can get strategy strategy from they they get that out the kazoo. One thing that I find is that they can be equipped with all that and sometimes still not be doing what they want to be doing or being who they really want to be. And then they come to me because I do the internal piece of the embodiment and the expansion. And um, do you find yourself in that role more so because the like when you said when you bought the your franchise when you first did it, it, it had an operating manual. It all gave the strategy. Um, mm-hmm. Most of them all do. But do you find it's the internal, the, the mindset shifting that you really do work with your people the most on in on um, being the owner, running, managing people and just the ability of what this can do, you know, and not get caught up in smallness. They, so many of the people that I work with, and it's men or women, but really interesting in Milwaukee, how many women are the the breadwinner in the family. So I'm working with a lot of women who have a corporate mentality. They have a persona, Coles, Johnson Control, whatever the business, whatever the corporate entity is. And so trying to work with them, not only to explore business ownership, but to break out of the constraints and the silo, because that's what a job is. You're, you're interviewing for something in particular. You, you need to be able to deliver particular results. And it doesn't always let that corporate person leverage all of their skills. So yes, when I'm working with people, absolutely have to break down that, that business persona and and empower themselves to tap into skills that are softer, are internal, are relational. And because when you own the business, that's what you need to be is relational. Right, right. And you said that for yourself when you realized and and you graciously learned, and I think that's probably the most powerful thing anybody can learn is that each person that works for you is an individual. And so it's not to wrap them all up into this like, one size fit all is really knowing and getting to know who you're, who the people that work for you are and, and, and honoring each individual person. And I think that's probably a very um, powerful skill set to, to adapt and, and to let yourself be that version of who you get to be in the world. Right. Yeah. It, yes. And one of the easiest strategies Doris. I learned from Mary Kay Cosmetics. I used to sell Mary Kay a long time ago. And it dawned on me one day, with, with each Great Clips, you have about 15 to 20 employees. And it's it, you can't adopt the mindset that they're all individuals easily. You really can adopt that mindset if you have, every, tip of the day, have every employee fill out an index card and write down birthday, anniversary, favorite pack of smokes, favorite um, candy bar, um, favorite way to celebrate an event, um, favorite flower. Then when I knew that somebody was having a tough day or they had a a celebration, I could put at their station a, a baby Ruth candy bar and a great big sunflower. And to see the smiles on their face, it, it wasn't a raise. It was an acknowledgement that I could deliver something to them that would make their day. Well, it's funny that you bring American Cosmetics because when I stepped out of the corporate space, I went into direct sales through and Mary Kay Cosmetics was the vehicle. And the Mary Kay way of being um, was life changing. Um, and her whole philosophy is make every person feel important. Um, and that's exactly what that is. It's like, a baby Ruth and a sunflower makes that person feel important and they will perform like nobody's business because they know you care. Um, And I think that is the most, it was most powerful thing for me to learn that way of being, um, which serves me really well for, you know, for anything that you do going forward. But I, I think that whole way of being. I mean, I, I contribute everything the way I get to be from my journey in Mary Kay because it just opened up. It was like it was like the best course of personal development ever. To it was. Who to be. And, and her regulations that if you're going to a group meeting, you wear a skirt, you wear your heels, you wear 
And it seems so old fashioned, but back to embracing femininity, it's so easy to put on a dress. It's one article of clothing and people look at you and think, wow, she took the time to get dressed up. <laughs> I know it is amazing. And, 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 it, and it's so true. It was so refreshing for me to be in that space. And I really love that even now. And I can tell the difference. It is so much more powerful for a woman to put on a dress in it versus a pair of pants. I mean, it's, changes who you get to be. And um, yeah, very, very powerful stuff. I was at a meeting recently. Oh, well, it was, I guess by now it's probably two or two and a half, three years ago. And I think about the, the gal who I'm thinking of. She and I both arrived at a meeting in Chicago um, for the Northern Illinois Franchise Association. I had never seen her before. She got out of her car. I got out of mine. The valets took our cars and we looked at each other looked at each other up and down and said, I like your style. And we sat down for the meeting. We sat next to each other for lunch. Um, she and I share the love of uh, Maria Pinto, the designer in Chicago. And Julie has become one of my closest friends. And it's just, it was just that spark of, I love the way she presented herself. She looked amazing. And she clearly embodied what we're talking about, the fabulous factor. <laughs> yeah. And, it, you know, I always say, you know, in a sea of when we need to, to um, I don't even say stand out anymore. I now just adopted the rule of just being the headliner act um, is that when you are walking in a room and you and you stand out as the headliner act, it is basically what you are wearing externally because that's what people see first. They don't hear you talk or they don't know how brilliant you might be, um, but they will feel energetically who you have decided to be by what you are wearing. And that speaks volumes throughout the entire space. And, you know, just like you said, you both got out of your car and you energetically spoke to each other. And there you go. I think that just as I'm thinking through what you're saying, how many meetings I've been to where the headliner is dressed impeccably and they're outgoing. Is there a correlation that you think with how we dress externally so that people get the idea that that's who we are internally too? Fabulous, yeah. multi-dimensional, interesting. We wear it on the outside and invite people to learn about that on the inside. Well, you know, the thing that's so powerful, I mean, and this is my best example, um, I think, to show um, the dynamics of how you can be perceived, um, if it's true or not true, is I actually just use the Whitney Houston factor. The mere fact that they, when they created her persona, um, we, until she passed away, um, had no clue of who she really was because her persona had us think that she was on this, she was elegant and sophisticated and she was in performance mode and cause her voice and all that. But the, the truth of who she really was, was far from that person. But that just goes to the power of creating a vibrational energetic persona to, to sell. Um, and to influence people. And it does, Headlighter Act is the influencer. People automatically make the assumption that what they see externally is internally. And I think it's the biggest game changer, especially for women entrepreneurs, when we are in business and we want to attract people to us and we need to be showing up as most properly as we can because people just make the assumption that you just are super smart. And think about the years. So I'm 57 and I was not this when I was 27. I wasn't when I was 37, but I was getting there. And and it is taking ownership of, I, I think, maturity and experience in life 
you know, I, I didn't end up owning a business because I wanted to. I, I ended up owning a business because my husband stepped away from it and I, I took it over and um, made it into what it was. And, and I got confidence with success. And the more success I got, the more I was out there. I was a co-op president for Great Clips in Chicago, kind of taking on more roles. So the more confidence I got, the more the internal Meg became the external Meg. So mm -hmm. point, it, it doesn't come naturally to some of us, but if you give yourself permission to be vulnerable and make mistakes and learn, then you can refine that persona into something, into someone you really want to convey yourself as. So I'm fully confident about who I am today. I didn't start that way, but I am today. Well, you know, and that's the whole point of stepping into your new fab view is that you are being fully you uh, inside and outside and, and, and it has been, and it requires a journey. It requires a lot of permission um, to give yourself and courage to be that woman um, because it is um, not for the faint of heart. <laughs> no, there's a lot of criticism and, and there's a saying, um, and I wish I could remember it off the top of my head. It's about men saying that they want to embrace the you that you present yourself to be, but men have a hard time with strong women who are powerful in their employment or business ownership, powerful in their capability to earn a great living. You talk about a six-figure salary. I am that person, but I've also been married more than once, and I've dated men who felt threatened by my power. And so they want to, the people who say they want to embrace that, but the closer they get, the, the less they really want you to be <laughs> that strong. So it does take, yeah, you have to be really confident about carrying it, owning it, and then being choosy. I think about who you spend your time with and, and how close you let people in. You have to let people in, but they have to be true in their desire to embrace the you that you are. Yes. And because you brought it up, and I think it's powerful, because um, it's one of the areas I focus really heavy on with my clients is that money piece. To give yourself permission to be a six-figure and beyond woman in your business, women say they want it, but they will sabotage themselves along the way in getting it because either their partner is intimidated about them being that it changes everything about who you are when you have money. When, I mean, really, when your business is making money, you have money in the bank, you, 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 and you start embodying, I mean, everything about you, you just own who you are so much more powerfully. Yeah. And I think sometimes women say they want that and yet they shy away from it is do you find yourself with the women that you work with? Because um, men have no problem owning it. Um, but women do. Do you find yourself with the women you work in their franchises taking it to that next level? Yeah, it's a real, I think it's a fundamental female thing that some of us have figured out how to embrace it and and own it. So yes, a lot of what I do, my, my original degree was in counseling and I spent a number of years, I still do spend time with hospice. Um, that's the biggest transition any of us is ever going to make from life to death. So when I'm meeting with men and women and talking about that persona and you say you want to replace a six figure income and it doesn't start with a one, you want it to be a two or a three. I do work with people about how, how, does that feel? What does that look like? Does that money change the way you live your life? Or is that just the, there's a dollar sign on the inside of your forehead and it's more of a self-satisfaction. It's not how you're going to change the way you live your life. It's just a, a fulfillment of what you know you're worth. Mm -hmm. So yeah, absolutely. It's, 
it does seem to be much easier for men. Um, women who are nurturers, I think that's another basic female trait is that we are nurturers and we nurture others. We give life to others. And if you don't give life to yourself, it's very hard to, um, well, I shouldn't say be fulfilled because so many women are f fulfilled in that. And maybe those are the women who are not business owners. And maybe they are. I, I think every conversation is different. And yeah, you know, I just think that um, one thing I have learned and I learned it from stepping into the Mary Kay space that I saw the difference was um, the women who created businesses that supported them financially, not just for their own personal sake and their family's sake, but for legacy and impact. They can make bigger contributions um, to things that are important to them. It gives you a voice. And if, if a woman is on path to make this big impact and wants her voice to be out there, um, I just see voices attached to finance finances too. Um, it gives you a way to get in the door and people listen. Um, and so I always tell people if they want that, um, it is a part of the requirement and they need to um, figure out the money story that they are holding on to that is not supporting them in creating that. Um, because once they do, then it, it changes whatever story they think this, that money is going to bring um, could be false or just made up or not really true or just family past and, you know, generational curse on wealth uh, mm -hmm. is to break it down because if they want impact and legacy, I just find the women that are making the impact and legacy absolutely have some money too. And it's, isn't it a sweet thing to have it and know that you can tap into it and do great things with it. For example, out here at the farm, my lifestyle is country mouse, city mouse. I love obviously to be the city mouse and get dressed up. We've got a great big red barn here that I'm going to convert into what I'm calling the Tallgrass Prairie and Art Education Center. It'll be a free use space. And it's a great way for people to tap into nature and to express themselves. That ability to do it for free and not charge people for it is like counterintuitive. Why, why aren't I charging? I don't need to. I don't right. want to. I don't want to be responsible for counting right. the money. I want to create a space. I have the luxury of doing that because yeah. I've earned the money in order to convert the barn. It's not going to be an inexpensive project, but what a lovely way to give back. And I feel great about it because the work that I do is important to the people who are making the leap into business ownership. I get compensated for that. I love I love the life that I live and to be able to empower other people as artists and in education for free, that's community impact. And that comes from yeah. money. <laughs> that's a legacy move. I mean, that is part of the image and that, but had you not created it, then you wouldn't have that choice. And that's the power of it. It's like you have the choice, which is the people are going to benefit from that for ever. Yeah. And so Doris, you, the work that you're doing is just so lovely. And the fact that you embrace the feminine and you want women to embrace that, particularly now in the, in the last couple of years and all the crazy political climates and the, the narratives coming out of Hollywood and the Me Too movements, women are vital and important and yes. embrace it. Be, be everything that you can be. I understand that that's not for every woman, but we're living in a wonderful time in history where we have real impact. Yeah. And it it's lovely to be loved by my husband and that my son respects my femininity, but also my power. <laughs> He's 30 now. <laughs> Embrace you know it. What? And that's and the thing that's beautiful is that, you know, you you found a man that can honor you and love you and support you and not be intimidated by you. 
you have you have raised a man that will not be intimidated by powerful women, um, which is so fabulous. The contribution of the world. <laughs> Because I'm a boy mom, too. So it's like, to, you know, to put a young man out into the world who's not intimidated by a powerful woman is life changing for a woman. Um, so I think that's major growth that we have. But I, I, I love this work that I do. I'm so grateful that I do it, that I gave myself permission to do it. This is the age of the women. We're all about women to don't be invisible and to be fabulous. And um, the first and foremost person that a woman has to not be invisible to is herself. Um, and so you represent everything about what we stand for. And I'm so grateful that you were able to come on the new Fab You show. I appreciate the invitation and I listen to your episodes. They're inspiring. Just your opening, Doris. That is a, a, a day starter. Every woman should listen to the intro to your show every day. Just those two I or three minutes. So I even have to do it because I like, I, you know, it's like the thing about it. And I'm all about doing things on your own terms. And so it's like, you were like, oh, it's so long. I need women to hear that because every, if you can embody that, it changes who you get to be. And my whole thing is embodiment and expansion. So of course my intro has to reflect the level of embodiment is constantly remind yourself that upper limit is like, when you're hitting those things for your next level, who you get to be, um, what you get to have, who you get, to, what you get to do, you know, it's embodiment, it's decisions, it's just who I want to be. And that's what I love about who you are is that you stepped into her and it's, and as you reflected, you know, for you at 27, it didn't look this way at 37, mm. but it looks this way at 57. And it looked that way at 67, 77, 8. I mean, this is it, you know, and you just keep going to the next level and inspiring women who see you to know that you can get, um, you can age gracefully. Mm. My mother is 83. My father is 88. They live in Evanston. They've moved into a, a senior community there in independent living. And thank heavens they did during COVID. They, now they have people that they can commune with. Um, it's all safe there. And my mother, 83, also loves Maria Pinto. But she is so delighted to be able to get dressed up, go out of her apartment, go down to the library. They're wearing masks, et cetera. And she has found her, her inner creative spirit. She loves bedazzling her clothes. She'll go to a resale shop go find some uh, rhinestones and a hot glue gun. She, <laughs> I love it. The apple oh, didn't God. fall far from the tree. <laughs> I get it. I know. I, I, yeah, I'm, my mom was, my mom was diva to the end. I mean, she's still alive too, but still, yeah. We'll, we'll go out in, you know, yeah, got it. <laughs> <laughs> she's fabulous and I encourage that I gave her recently a, a, a set of paints paint brushes and then some fabric acrylics you can paint um, and they'll stay on fabric and she was so excited to be able to to um, have some new art projects and she just traded in her old wardrobe for a new one at the resale shop and I love just, that yeah. oh my gosh yes oh my god how inspiring Tip of the day for women who would like to wear fur, but they're worried about how other women or people were, will perceive them, animal cruelty and all that, go to a resale shop that carries fur coats. And now you're reduce, reuse, recycle. Now you're recycling someone else's fur coat. And then when someone says, oh, shame on you, you're wearing a fur coat, you open up the lapel Usually women get it embroidered with their, right. their monogram. And I've got one that says Sally G on the inside. <laughs> so the first time someone said, oh, why are you wearing a fur coat? I said, well, number one, I live in Wisconsin and it's cold. But number two, don't judge me. Sally G bought this coat originally and that's not my name. So it's a great way to dress up. I think I have seven fur coats now because I buy them all at a resale shop. 
Well, that is that is absolutely fabulous. Like my mom owns three, um, which one go to each daughter. But I, um, mm, nice. The my tip to be um, conscious of the of the thing is, of course, I would shop at Fabulous Furs, which are great. So, I mean, I would not know it wasn't real if I didn't know it wasn't real. So, yeah, so it is, that is a very good, great tip because I did not ever even think about that. That is powerful. But if you live in a cold climate, you live in a cold climate and it must, it, it must be warm. Yeah, I and, fully embrace the, um, the, I grew up in Chicago and, and my mom always had a fur coat and I went with her a, a couple of times when she would be ready for a different style. They go out of style. And I I was very much a tree hugger, animal lover. I thought they were beautiful and I loved to touch it, but I I fell into the the belief of, about animal cruelty. And, and then, you know, you live in Wisconsin and you have the DNR talking about deer hunting season and, and there's there's the circle of life. And and um anyway. Without well, yeah, getting you know, too I don't know. I just, I don't take it to the extreme. I mean, I grew up with a mom who was extremely sophisticated and elegant woman. And um, I mean, my mom, I had always shopped the best. I just came into the world with her already established with her way of being. And um, she bought her coat. She'd go there, you know, Alaskan fur, which still exists to this day in Kansas City, Missouri. You know, they knew her, you know, everywhere she, I mean, she liked all the best of the best stuff and she bought it. She worked and she bought it. Um, and I figured that's what you get to do with your money. Uh, <laughs> and so there is there. So it's like that. And I, and the, and she had, and the coat that I get will be, she has this long sheared um, mm. um, white beaver and it is the bomb.com and it speaks me um so whenever it becomes mine and then the other two are minks, um, you know, but yeah. So, wow. I can't wait to see you in that. Yeah, girl. And the thing is my mother can't wear them anymore because she's, she's um, health wise. She just, she doesn't really go anywhere to wear them, but it does not matter. She's not giving those to it. We won't get them until she is no longer on the planet. Um, <laughs> I understand. <laughs> so whatever that day will be. So it's like you just go and turn your on and when you go home, you're like, oh, one day. But yeah, so I don't know. I just come from the thing is you just what you do. I married a man who was from the South, um, who lived from the country, he was a hunter. Um, so you know, you just that you just respect animals. There's a way to respect them. Um, and you just go with that. But you know. Yes, I get it. We've, we've kind of talked about a lot here. <laughs> you know, we learn so much from from the way life changes us. And and there is that saying, uh, I hate it, that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Um, but there's truth to that. There's also truth to traveling the world and, and going outside of your comfort zone or your local community and, and seeing how we really are all one. We, we, I traveled to China um, in 2009 and we went to Tibet. It was such a spiritual journey. And the higher we went into the, the mountains, the more you could see the changes in the, the human skull, the facial features are different. And it, why can't we all just get along I, I, is something that resonates with me quite a bit. People are, are amazing and we're all connected and human tolerance and, and love, self-love, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. So be willing to be vulnerable and learn from it. And that's really where your strength as a woman comes from. That is so true. And just in being absolutely unapologetic about who it is you want to be. So, Meg. This has been fabulous. I am so glad you were here to with me today. You are fabulous, Doris. And people who don't know you 
need to know you. Thank you very much. I will put that back out to you, which is why, you know, we have the podcast going and I look forward to the moment when we can physically meet in person because I like you. I love you, Doris. You're just, every conversation we have is inspiring and insightful. And the th the fact that this is your lane, you own it. And and I listened to your, your intro. It is so inspiring. So I'm going to keep doing that. I can't wait to meet you. <laughs> I can't wait either. I'm like, oh my God, it's going to be so excited. So excited. So excited. So I'm like sometime in 2021, I hope. Um, we can get together and stuff and chill and hang out. I'll find you. Well, masks and all, I'll find you. Yes, we will. We'll do it. We'll make it happen. Um, but everybody, thank you so much for joining in and meeting uh, Meg and um, being a part of the show. And until we come back again, um, this is the new Fabio show. Bye, everybody. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the new Fabu show. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you subscribe so you automatically get new shows every week. And I would love it if you would leave us a review. We are on Apple Podcasts at newfabushowpodcast.com. I would love to hear from you. Come join the conversation online. You will mostly find me on Facebook and Instagram, but also on LinkedIn. Just head to newfabushowpodcast.com and you will find full episodes all there. And you can find out my why at thefabfactor.com. The New Fabu Show is the elevated, unapologetic permission conversation for women leaders. And I am honored you tuned in. Oh.